The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The scripture reading today is Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25 and 67 through 80. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing, sorry, um, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God. 
whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Missy. Good morning, everyone. I could do better than that. Good morning. No, nah, I'm joking. Some of y'all uh, got the, the marathon, half marathon hangover, huh? No, but shout out to y'all. Good cause and all that good stuff. Um, I, I do want to turn our attention to what I think is a very exciting narrative in Luke's gospel. As we are well underway in the season of Advent, uh, God has something to say to us. And I want to encourage us right now just to take a brief moment to prepare your hearts and your minds as we hear from what I believe is the most important voice God himself speaks. So take a moment to prepare your hearts and your minds. Father, thank you. Thank you for that reminder from our little brothers and our little sisters. And just the fundamental truth that you will never stop loving us as your children. And God, thank you that you've been so kind, so gracious, so intentional to preserve your eternal word that we may know you. We may know how to live a life that's pleasing to you. Thank you for Jesus, that he was the, the perfect model to embody all that you called us to do. He met the mark where we fell short. So we come right now prepared, or prepare our hearts, Holy Spirit, to hear from you. Prepare our bodies, our, our minds, and our wills to respond to you. And may we leave this place transformed. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. You ever had somebody make a promise to you, and you heard their promise, and it just sounded too good to be true? And I would say, depending on that person, it matters. The, the, the source of that promise matters. Because some people you know in your life, you ain't got to call nobody out or look to anybody to your left or your right. Uh, some people in your life, they probably have a bad track record of keeping their promises. So when you hear them make a promise, you're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> but there are other people who actually have a consistent track record of keeping their promise. But the thing about our hearts is that it doesn't matter if they have a bad track record. Sometimes it doesn't matter if they have a good track record. Deep down in our heart of hearts, our confidence, our faith, it wavers. In our text, we read about our brother Zechariah, who received the, the news of his life from Gabriel, a messenger, an angel sent by God. But we, 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 what we see again, but what we have heard 
from the text read is that Zechariah's faith was small, but his doubt was large. But he's no different than us. I mean, you probably find yourself in a season right now, maybe battling doubt concerning the character of God, concerning the, the promises of God, concerning the goodness of God. And I'm here today to remind you of some good news. And that good news is that God's faithfulness to fulfill all of his promises in Christ will never be hindered by anyone or anything. Y'all quiet on that. Okay. God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises in Christ will never be hindered by anyone or anything. So let us, let's, let's walk through this text and let's see God's faithfulness at work through the life, if I can call him Zach, uh, Zachariah and our sister Elizabeth. First in verses 5 through 17, we see that God's promise is given. But I want to kind of do a quick bio of, of Zachariah and Elizabeth. If they had a social media profile, maybe it would read something like this. They, they were both righteous. They were blameless. They kept all God's commandments. And in fact, Zechariah and Elizabeth came through a lineage of priests. And so in other words, basically their whole lives, they were around, uh, surrounded or in the middle of service to God. But even these brothers and sisters who were devoted to God, they were, they were righteous and they had a reputation to, to be in the, the service of God. They, were, they weren't without their own challenges. Luke tells us in chapter seven, sorry, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Barrenness, unfortunately, it was, it was frowned upon. Um, in this particular time, culturally, if a woman was barren, it, they believed that it was because of secret sin. Maybe it was because of her or maybe because it, it was with her, uh, her significant other. And because it is supposedly secret sin that God was punishing them, that God closed up her womb. So think about that, y'all. Elizabeth, barren. For several years, the, the text doesn't give us her, her age, but maybe she was in her, her late 80s or her, her late 90s. And every time she walked around, people probably had comments to make about her. Elizabeth probably struggled with personal insecurities. She probably struggled with shame. But God, God shows up. In our text in verse 11, we see Luke tells us, and there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord on the right side of the altar of incense. And that's a description or a, a particular detail we just can't rush by. Because everything in God's word is intentional. It may bore you sometimes. You may be confused about it sometimes, leaving, leaving you scratch your head sometimes. But every single word, every iota, <laughs> Every word in God's word is intentional. So this angel of the Lord, Gabriel, he shows up at the right side of the altar of incense. In the altar of incense, then it was a symbol of the prayers of God's people. 
In other words, the, the scriptures tell us in Revelation that our prayers ascend to God as the smoke of the incense ascended in the sanctuary. The altar of incense was holy to the Lord and it was atoned for with the blood of the sacrifice, and it is the blood of Christ applied to our hearts that makes our prayers acceptable. Brothers and sisters, this is good news that God hears your prayers. They're not just bouncing to the ceiling and falling back to the ground. He said there are, the, the prayers of the saints are a sweet aroma to the Lord. Gabriel tells Zechariah, God has heard his prayers. And as a priest, it was fitting. That was, that was Zechariah and all the other priests' role. They, they would go to the temple and they would offer up prayers of intercession on the behalf of the people of God. And there's a, we can make an argument that Zechariah, one of the many prayers he was praying, was that God will come and restore all things. And like any priest, they were committed to God's word. And Zechariah was familiar with all those different promises in the Old Testament that were pointing to the promised one that will come. But there was another prayer. There was another prayer that God heard that it's clear that Zechariah and Elizabeth had been barren for several years. I can imagine that in those times, them probably going back home at the fireside or at the bedside, maybe crying in disappointment. God, do you hear us? This is a good thing that we're praying for. And Gabriel reminds Zechariah, yes, indeed, that God heard their prayers. And in fact, Gabriel offers a promise. He said, he not only heard your prayer, but I'm going to give you some specifics to this answer prayer. Your wife will conceive a son, not just a son. Your wife will conceive a son. His name will be John, not just conceiving a son named John. But this baby will be the forerunner to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will make a way for our God, for our King in the flesh. I'm sure if we were Zachariah, it would be a wide range of emotions. <laughs> like he probably couldn't help himself. Probably was some shock. <laughs> probably was, he probably could have been excited, started shouting. But in fact... Zechariah had a different response. When was, the last some, when was the last time someone maybe texted you or, or called you or, or in person told you some good news that you actually been specifically praying for? Do y'all remember that? I mean, can you think of a time you just got a random email? <laughs> maybe it was a phone call. Maybe say, hey, someone, hey, hey, brother, I got sister, let's go out to lunch. I got something exciting to tell you. And in fact, that was the same thing you've been praying for. But the real question is, as I'm talking to myself, the real question is, would that good news find a humble and confident, expectant heart? Because it matters. 
it's one thing to, to hear good news that you've been praying for for so many years, for so many months, week in and week out, day in and day out. And you finally see an answered prayer, but yet your heart wasn't in a place of expectancy to receive it. And I say humble place of expectancy. Why? Because there are sometimes God doesn't answer your prayers the way you would want them. But regardless if he answers your prayer or not, he wants your heart. He, he wants you to continue to trust him. We see it clearly here. Zechariah, a priest, he was in the service of God. Maybe he was going through the motions because the angel shows up and tells him specifically what you've been praying for. God has promised that it will be fulfilled. But Zechariah, he wasn't ready. We see God's promise is given. But as we move through our text, we see that God's promise is rejected in verses 18 through 25. In verses 18 through 20, we read about Zach's response to Gabriel's good news. God says specifically and clearly, he tells Zach, your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son. And Zach responded what seems to be an innocent question. How should I know this? <laughs> then he added, I'm, I mean, this is Artez's version, I'm really old and so is my wife. As if the angel didn't already know that. <laughs> As if God didn't already know that. We laughing, but that's us too. God, you said this, but don't you know? I mean, maybe you was busy. I don't know, but this is my current situation. <laughs> Questioning God is not a sin within itself. In fact, the Bible has numerous of passages. Take the Psalms, for example. It's question after question after question after question. But here, Zach's question is in a different category, and that category is unbelief. Zach heard this good news, and he tried to rationalize a divine promise. He said, I needed proof. In other words, God, your word isn't enough. Show me something else. It was unbelief. But how many times... We find ourselves in a similar situation. You heard the promises. You've read the promises of God on the behalf of his people. You sang the promises. But yet in our hearts, we say, this is too good to be true. Not only is it too good to be true, but we need more proof. This isn't new to the people of God. In, in fact, there's a similar story, if y'all remember, back in Genesis chapter 17. The forefather of our faith, O Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were in very, very similar situations. They were advanced in years, barren, beyond their phase of I'm, I'm going to say that. Um, I want to email. They were, uh, anyway, 
All right, Ms. Don, I'm going to keep it moving. Um, so uh, Abraham and Sarah, they, they were advanced in years, right? God makes a promise to them. He, he shows up and say, by this time next year, you will have a child. And not only that, there was one night Abraham was led out by God, and, and God said, look at the stars. He said, can you count them? Absolutely not. So great and numerous in number would your descendants be. God shows up in the appearance of angels to give this good news to Abraham and to Sarah. And what did they do? They laughed. <laughs> they both laughed. God, are you out your mind? There is no way. This, good, this, this news is too good to be true. That's what doubt does. That's what unbelief does. It, it, it clouds our faith. It minimizes the power of God. We, we, we make him out a God to be controlled, a God to be fully comprehended. If it doesn't make sense in our mind, then it ain't possible. But God has reminded us numerous of times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God is the God of the impossible. We're prone to forget about God's past faithfulness. Our circumstances, they carry more weight than God's ability. Our personal timelines, our, our personal visions, they overshadow God's perfect and divine timing. My pride begins to swell within me because I can't control God. He's not... He, he, he's not getting with my script that I wrote down, but it's the opposite. God wants us to get with his script that he's written for our lives. And brothers and sisters, none of us are excused or immune to this type of doubt and unbelief. And also, the Bible is very clear that there are consequences for our unbelief, even as children of God. I got to make an emphasis on even as the children of God. Yeah, God allows certain things to, to happen. And sometimes we think, God, are you punishing me? And I will make, the Bible will make, the, make it very clear. Romans 8, chapter 1 said, therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. However, we do serve a good God who disciplines his children in love. But look at these consequences of Zach. After hearing this good news, it wasn't met with this expectancy and this confidence in God. It was met with doubt. And look what the angel tells Zacharias, sorry, Zachariah. In verse 20, he says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Most scholars say that Zechariah was not only deaf, he couldn't hear, but he was also mute. He couldn't speak. And think about his, his profession, well, not profession, think about his calling. <laughs> he was a priest. Priest needed their mouths to, to pray audibly on the behalf of God's people. 
Now, God took that away. He took away his ability to speak, and he took away his ability to hear. Now, the pastor in me and the spirit in me says, okay, you know, God got to do what he got to do to get our attention. But if I was to be real, y'all, the flesh <laughs> in me is saying, wait a minute, God, that, that seems a little too, too harsh. Like, I feel like you could have did something else a little lighter to, to get my attention, right? But it's not cruel. It's not unloving. Because God has a consistent character. He has a consistent track record. And God would do whatever, however, to get our attention, to get our hearts. That's the end goal. He wants our hearts. He wants our trust. In fact, it's the most loving thing that he can do to grow our faith in him. I mean, what loving Heavenly Father will allow us to persist continually in unbelief and put nothing in our paths or nothing to, to correct us? Even the hard things, y'all, the hard things, they don't feel good. But it's something about maybe you take a couple steps and you kind of look back hindsight God, I don't know everything that you was doing, but I know I'm holding a little tighter on your hand. When God disciplined us because of our unbelief, we can respond a couple ways. It can lead us to deeper unbelief. Or it can lead us to a deeper trust with him, to grow us closer to him. May our hearts be, God, help my unbelief. You ask my wife and anybody who really know me, I overthink things a lot. <laughs> Overcalculated. And I kind of spiritualize it like, hey, I'm counting the costs. But in reality, God said, Ortez, you don't know what I know. But I'm going to need you to let some things go. <laughs> I'm going to need you to trust me. And so my prayer with you, brothers and sisters, as your pastor, as one of your pastors, I'm praying too, God, help my unbelief. We've seen the promise that was given. We've seen God's promise rejected. And lastly, brothers and sisters, we see God's promised one praised in verses 67 through 80. After nine long months... Make sure my math is right. 200 and, no, that's definitely not right. Yeah, that's right. 270 days, 6,480 hours, Zechariah was deaf and he was mute. And it's safe to say, I'm sure Zach probably wanted to, to speak over Elizabeth's belly and say, hey, baby boy, I hear you in there. I feel you. Maybe he wanted to sing some psalms over him. But he was unable to speak. But he had time to contemplate, to reflect. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had hard days, maybe some depressive days. I mean, this was a new normal. He was old, advanced in life. He's entering to this, this new way of living, not being able to hear, not being able to speak. But Luke tells us clearly in verse 67, that after that time, after those nine months was up, a word of praise was marinating in Zechariah. 
And I think about one of my favorite gospel artists. I don't know if y'all heard of him. Maybe y'all can listen to him on the way home. His name is Jay Moss. And Jay Moss had a, a song, and I'm going to just read a couple lines from that song. Jay Moss said, there's a praise on the inside, sir, you can help me, that I can't keep to myself. A holler stirring up from the depths of my soul. So excuse me if I seem a little giddy or even maybe even strange, but praise is the way I say. <laughs> but I love this because the story is getting better. Zacharias was ready to open up his mouth and to prophesy after nine months, the Holy Spirit finally loosened his tongue and he give this, this praise report, this prophecy. And I believe the very first line sets the whole tone of what's to follow. In verse 68, it's on the screen. Zechariah starts off this praise report, this prophecy with, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. If you allow me, let's just camp on that word visited just for a moment. In the Greek, the original language in the New Testament, there is this visited means to look upon in order to help or to benefit or to have care for or to provide for. This is a little different how we use visited, right, in our English from time to time. I went over Cal's house, and uh, I visited with my guy. Uh, we had, you know, some laughs. We caught up, um, talked about the Cardinals, talked about his half marathon that he, he ran the other day, and I left and went home. This word, visited, is completely different than the word we use. In other words, the way we use it typically, I came to chill. I came to consume. Maybe I came to be entertained. But what's being communicated here, that God came to visit, to look after, to provide for, to care for, in John language, he, he tabernacled. Emmanuel, God with us. And this matters. This matters because at the perfect appointed time, God had a plan all along that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, will become a baby. He will wrap himself into flesh. And it is the Father who gives his most precious and priceless gift, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But it gets better, y'all. Y'all know Jesus Christ is the gift that keeps on giving. Zacharias break this down for us. In verse 48, he said, Jesus had the divine currency to pay our debt that we couldn't pay, that we couldn't work off. We were spiritually broke to have anything to offer God. He said God came to redeem his people in verse 68. Verse 77, Jesus came to bring salvation through the forgiveness of sins. In verse 79, God tells us that Jesus came to give light to those who sit in darkness. I don't know about y'all, but for 18 years of my life, I was sitting and living in darkness, unfulfilled, trying to fill the void in my life, asking the question, man, it got to be more. But it wasn't until God met me. 2007, 
at Southeast Missouri State, Towers East in room 308. I just left a Bible study. The Holy Spirit was working on my heart, burdened me. And it was at that point I knew that if I was to die that night, I would have spent eternity away from God, perishing in hell. But the Holy Spirit, he was waiting on me, y'all. He snatched me up. He said, come here and give me control. I said, you take control. I don't know what I'm praying. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm done. I'm done running from you. I was sitting in darkness. But the good news, y'all, what we celebrate, what we remember about Advent is that this baby, this Savior, he came to visit his people. He came ready to give. He came ready to serve. He came ready to die. He came ready to conquer. He came to give us purpose. He came to give us life to break those addictions, to break those strongholds, to break those generational curses, and to give us hope. He came. Verse 71 tells us that this Savior, he came, that he would save us from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now, I'm not the preacher that's going to preach about your haters. You could probably find that on YouTube somewhere else. But it is biblical. (laughs) He came to deliver us from our enemies. We're in a spiritual battle, y'all. Before you even step foot out your bed, when you were asleep last night, there was a, a, a cosmic battle that's going on at all times. Light versus darkness. Evil versus good. The Lord of hosts versus Satan. There's always a battle we, can't, we can see some of the manifestations sometimes and the brokenness of our world, but there's a lot of stuff that we can't see. So we would be foolish to think that we're smart enough, witty enough, educated enough, even spiritual enough to fight these battles on our own. Talk about a gift that keeps on giving that we had a Savior that come to conquer, to defend us from all of our enemies. Sin, Satan, and death itself. Yesterday, I was actually working on my sermon. My wife was kind enough to take the kids to run a couple errands, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, kind of work this thing out. And I got a call from my mama And she was telling me that a good friend of hers, a good friend of the family, uh, mom had had passed away. And how she was struggling, and she's about to go over there and try to love on her and things of that nature. She said, have you you texted her yet? I said, no, I haven't. I said, let me call her just to check in on her. I called her, and you could just hear the grief in her voice. I said, hey, Jackie, um, I'm not even going to hold you long. You was on my heart. And she was just telling me her mom, a faithful woman. In fact, that woman, I was 13 years old. She used to uh, ask me to cut her grass um, and pay, pay me way too much money, but I appreciate it because as a 13-year-old, I was making a lot of money cutting grass. But after I got done, I was sweating, I was hot. She had a cold cup of water waiting on me. And I sit down, I wait on my mama to come get me from her house. And... 
she would say, Martez, how's your faith with the Lord? And at that time, I didn't have a relationship with God. And so at that time, she was sowing seeds into my life. She was watering what had already been sown. And I look back, and I'm indebted to her. But as I was talking to the lady who moms passed away, there was a sense of brokenness, rightfully so. She said, I'm happy for her. She in glory right now. But for me, I ain't doing good. She said, but Jesus is my only hope. I don't know how, how, how people can make it without a rock, without real hope. And as I think about what Zechariah was prophesying about, that Jesus came to to deliver us from our enemies, I think about death. Death does not have the final answer. It doesn't. I'm about to get out of y'all hair. The gospel is good news. But humanly speaking, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. But as you find yourself in this Advent season... We all coming from different places. I want to remind you. I want to strongly encourage you that we have a promise keeper. We have a good God, a loving, tender, heavenly father who gave his gift so that we may have life. So when you find yourself doubting his goodness. And you can't really see the future, how things going to play out. Look back. <laughs> call a brother, call a sister. Hey, I'm struggling right now. Don't underestimate us gathering together on Sundays. Because through the preaching, through the songs, through the table, through the fellowship, we're reminding each other that we serve a promise-keeping God. And the good news is no one or nothing will hinder him for fulfilling his promises in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a covenant-keeping God. I pray that this word will go forth and you will meet us exactly where we are, that the power of the Spirit will subdue those doubts those fears, those anxieties that we have, and that you will give us the wisdom to, to use different means, God, to help us work through these things. But above all, continue to encourage us, give us the strength to hold fast to our confession, to hold tightly to the promises, and to know that we have a king who visited us, who cared for us, God, whether we get anything for Christmas this year, we got the one thing that we didn't deserve was your life, your death, your resurrection. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you extend your arms as you receive the Lord's blessing as you go? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.